You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hello there, and welcome back to Rebel Cells, the Star Wars animation podcast for the Bad Batch episode, Common Ground. Uh, as you can probably tell, I am not Michael Cohen, but I'm one of your hosts, Kyle Avery. Uh, Mike is out this week, but with me, as always, I've got the illustrious Joe Hogan. How's it going, Joe? Ah, I thought I was going to get a reprieve from the praise this week, Kyle. I'm doing all right. Not. Otherwise. Ugh. See, this is neg- so next time it's just you and I, I get to drive so I can I can be honest about uh my lack of illustriousness. Oh, okay. That's fair. Um, <laughs> How you doing, man? How's it going? I'm doing all right. Um, just, you know, another week, another episode of The Bad Batch. Um, all right. Not, not a particularly, you know, um, I don't know, one that we were going to have a, a ton to talk about or one that was like super <laughs> exciting this week. But I don't know about you. I mean, every week, even regardless of even if it's kind of a, a quote unquote filler episode, I know people love to use that excuse for like anything they're that doesn't just blow them away. But um, even the the sort of less exciting ones, um, I always find something to enjoy. So I'm still looking forward to talking about this one. Yeah, it um, felt very, I mean, I don't know if you feel the same way. It felt very like early Clone Wars, where it's just like, oh, here's a one-off adventure. Uh, you know, take it or leave it, whatever. No, you know, the, the, the overall story doesn't really advance. It's just kind of like a little adventure that belongs in the anthology of stories. Um, yeah. Yeah, kind of early Clone Wars. I mean, there were some early Rebels episodes like that, too. Right, right. Um, But, I mean, you know, and and we'll talk about this as we get more into the recap, but there were still a couple, um, at least, like, sort of overall aspects to the episode and just corners of the the universe that they explored that I still thought were really interesting and that I liked seeing. Um, But before we get to that, you know, we always start off with the news. Um, Not a ton of stuff going on, except we did get uh, a new trailer for... trailer behind the scenes uh video (laughs) documentary um and some new details and stuff announced for the star wars visions animated series uh which is like the anime inspired uh anthology series that's going to be dropping on disney plus on september 22nd um and they had a whole panel for it uh this past weekend at the anime expo um and i don't know did you watch that whole panel because i haven't i didn't watch the whole thing but i saw just sort of the highlights and the um the trailer for it and all that no i actually didn't even know that they released the panel all i saw was the uh was the vid doc yeah um well yeah and they had you know it was like a half hour panel where they had creatives from the show talking about uh just details and kind of talking about some of the shorts that they're working on and stuff Mm, awesome um i don't know about you i mean i'm i'm not really knowledgeable about anime at all um but just from the stuff that they're showing off here, um, I mean, it looks like this is going to be some gorgeous animation, obviously. Um, but cool to see just some new and different sort of stylized um, artistic takes on Star Wars. Like even with, I think this is like nine different animated shorts that they're going to be releasing. Um, and it's going to be, as far as I know, it's going to be releasing all at once uh, rather than weekly like they've been doing with Bad Batch and Mandalorian and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but all nine of these look to have, you know, a lot of different styles of animation, a lot of different, uh, storytelling styles. Um, and, 
you know, they didn't, I think, go into a whole lot of details as far as like plot and stuff. But I know like some of these shorts are going to be focused on um, like Jedi and Sith. There's going to be one based on Tatooine. Uh, I think it's called like Tatooine Rhapsody and they described it as like a rock opera kind of thing. So um, yeah, it should be interesting to, you know, again, I'm, this isn't like the thing I'm most looking forward to or not something that I'm super knowledgeable about as an anime fan or anything like that, but I'm just interested in seeing um, kind of a, a take on the Star Wars universe that's just sort of a, a more unique artistic expression and just something outside of what we're used to seeing. Yeah, high school baby Joe Hogan would have been all about this. Uh, but my my taste, of, not that my taste of like matured or anything, but like I've just kind of like moved away from anime back in the late 90s, early 2000s. I was pretty, pretty big on it. But um, I mean, it it looks really awesome. Like I'm going to watch it as soon as it comes out. Um, I love that each, I guess, vignette or short film. I don't know what we're calling them uh is like very unique style wise even though obviously mm-hmm. it's all um, you know they're all japanese studios um like you can you can tell it's in the style of anime but they're all very distinct and like that different type of anime style so it's it's cool i'm really excited to see what they're going to do i mean obviously i'm a of a visual artist myself so just w- watching these artists work and you know all the concept art and like the quick little shots that they showed in the trailer. Um, All of it has me excited. I'm sure whatever it is, even if it's not my favorite thing ever in the world, that's, you know, coming from Star Wars lately, I'm sure I'm going to thoroughly enjoy it. And it will at the very least be visually stimulating and make me want to draw more myself, which is what more could you ask for? Um, Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And is it, I know there's seven studios are, are two of them releasing, two or is there one that's doing three because i think yeah. I, I feel like i did hear nine but i know there's seven studios i think you're right yeah no let me go i should have pulled up the uh the press release on starwars.com but i was just talking about this the other day on my other podcast the saga continues um and yeah we were going over the details of that i think there are there are a couple studios that are doubling up okay um, cool. man yeah so I, I remember <laughs> seeing i remember seeing a couple of the studio names on there twice they didn't happen um, to talk about how long they're going to be. I mean, I imagine they're probably going to be differing lengths, but I'm just curious, like what to expect in terms of like 20 minutes versus an hour. You know what I mean? Like, I don't really know what to expect with this. Do you happen to know anything about that? Or? I don't. Um, okay. I'm scrolling through the thing again here. Um, but yeah, I don't think. Yeah, no, I don't remember hearing anything about um about lengths i mean they they uh i think they've been marketing these as like short films okay so maybe even in the realm of like eight minutes or whatever yeah so i mean i'm i'm thinking probably anywhere from five up to maybe 20 minutes each okay cool um and just knowing that they're all different studios and different styles i wouldn't you know i I wouldn't be surprised if the run times kind of vary like if there is one that's five minutes and one that's 20 or maybe even 30 minutes long but Mm. Um, I mean, I, I hope they're, um, you know, kind of good, uh, you know, just substantial lengths, um, and not like, uh, and not that I have any problem with this. Like I love those galaxy of adventures shorts. Mm. Um, but just because they're kind of hyping this up as more of like a major release and they're working with these big anime studios and stuff, I hope they're, you know, not just like one or two minute long shorts. Right. Um, right. Or even like the forces of destiny, like that kind of stuff. I hope that because each studio is telling their own different story. 
Um, and each one is kind of a, a different creative take on it. I hope that for each one of those, we at least get maybe like five or 10 minutes um, just to really kind of enjoy that particular vision uh, for, for lack of a better term. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it's cool because like this is the kind of thing that I know a lot of people have been uh, kind of clamoring for for a while. Like, And there's been some cool, uh, well, like I said, there was the Galaxy of Avengers stuff, which is kind of not really anime, but like anime inspired. And I know a lot of people yeah. wanted to see more animated Star Wars done in that style. But then there was also, I don't know if you remember that one, um, there was like that fan-made uh, anime short where it's like the, um, the oh, space yeah. battle. Yeah, between oh, the Revolution I think it's um, awesome. Yeah, that's so cool. And, you know, again, people, you, if you go and watch that on YouTube and look in the comments, it's all people like, man, Lucasfilm needs to do something official or Lucasfilm needs to hire this guy or, we, you know, we need more Star Wars like this. So they're um, also, I don't know if you remember, I think I'm pretty sure it was before Attack of the Clones because they released the original Star Wars trilogy and Phantom Menace, each, each film of those four in four volume mangas, that black and white mangas. Um, I actually still, I'm pretty sure I have them on my shelf behind me somewhere. Uh, or maybe they're, they're in, in my other storage. Um, but like, I remember back then they were huge, like really popular and people seemed to really like it. And it was the same kind of thing where everybody's like, Oh man, let's see more of this. And then I think attack of the clones came out and then we never got one. So it was kind mm -hmm. of a bummer, but, um, yeah, I don't know what well, it is. I, like I, star Wars really kind of lends itself to that style and mythology and uh i don't know like it's it's yeah it's cool it's cool well and obviously like george was really inspired by mm. uh sure. not anime necessarily but japanese you know japanese filmmaking and kurosawa films mm -hmm. um when making the original trilogy and like dave filoni loves that kind of stuff and has you know made like clone wars and mandalorian episodes based off of that um and so it's cool to kind of see it come full circle and have Star Wars have that Japanese influence and now have these Japanese anime creators uh, get to kind of do their interpretation of Star Wars and see how that's influenced them. So, Absolutely. Um, so September, yeah. right? September King yeah, comes so, I, September 22nd, I believe. Um, yeah, and again, I mean, like I said, even for me as someone that's not really an anime fan, my sister's a huge anime fan and keeps trying to get me into it and keeps telling <laughs> me all these different ones that she loves that she's like, oh man, you at least got to try this one out. And I'm like, well, if I'm going to try out anything, it's going to be the Star Wars one. So I'm going to check it out for sure. What is, um, what is she pushing for the most for you to try? Oh gosh, like, um, what's the one she was telling me about? Like Full Metal Alchemist, I think she said okay, is like her yeah, favorite one that they just added on Netflix. One. But I know she also is into like, you know, Attack on Titan and My Hero Academia or something like that. So it's funny, um, those My Hero Academia and uh, Attack on Titan are the two that I'm starting now. And oh, okay. they're both very good. Like I'm, I'm two seasons into Attack on Titan. Uh, it, 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 if you're not an anime fan, I mean, that show has a lot of downtime. Like, that show has really slow episodes and some of them are just like back to back and it can get a little painful. Um, mm -hmm. But then once the action ramps up, it really ramps up. So um, go in with an open mind, but they're yeah. cool. They're good. Yeah. Well, I mean, if anything, like I said, I'll, I'll watch the star Wars stuff. And if I, you know, kind of think, Hey, this is kind of interesting. Maybe I want to check out some more of this stuff. I might, you know, get into some other stuff, but mm. um Cool. Yeah, so mark your calendar, September 22nd. This will also be a nice bridge to, uh, you know, hold us over after season one of Bad Batch is over. 
and uh, give us some more Star Wars content to enjoy before the Book of Boba Fett comes out in December. So um, it's nice to just have this sort of steady stream of Star Wars content, you know, because I think Bad Batch is probably going to be done sometime in August. Mm. I think is when the, the first season is probably going to wrap up and then we'll have Visions in September and then um, Boba in December. And then, you know, next year we're going to have like Mando season three, Kenobi, Andor, um Maybe wow, season two of Bad Batch next year too. I mean, next year the floodgates are just going to open as far as this. Yeah. Wow. Cool. That's I didn't realize awesome. that was that was all coming next. Year. I forgot Kenobi was coming. Kenobi just feels like it's so far away, and Andor feels yeah. like it's been in production forever. Well, that's the thing. I think they officially said that Kenobi's coming next year. I don't. I don't remember for sure. Like if they officially confirmed that Andor is coming out next year, but I assume it would because, like you said, it's been in production so long. Mm. um you know that's got to be the ones that they're like or one of the ones that they're the furthest along on um so yeah i I have to assume we're getting both of those next year and we know that book of boba starts in december and is going to probably bleed over into next year and then we're getting mando season three sometime next year too so right um yeah that's going to be awesome that's crazy yeah 2022 (laughs) is going to be an awesome star wars year plus you got celebration in the middle of all that oh man some, some more like trailers and stuff for some of the upcoming stuff so Oh, imagine if we saw like a Kenobi trailer or something. Oh no, I feel like it would probably be Andor at that point. Because well, well, it oh, depends. Man, that's right. Yeah, Andor might start before then. Yeah, I have mm. to go back and check the release dates because Celebration is Memorial Day weekend next year. Right, it's pretty. And late. I don't know why I'm thinking that Kenobi airs in May next year, but I could be wrong. Maybe that's just an assumption I'm making. I don't remember if I actually mm. heard that somewhere. So, um. Or maybe they said it's just sort of targeting for next spring or something like that or mm-hmm. summer. I don't know. If it's not out yet, I'm sure that, you know, we'll get some kind of look at it. But I'm also wondering if we might even get like, you know, a sizzle reel or something like mm-hmm. that for like Ahsoka or any of the stuff that's oh, further down man. the line, like the Acolyte or something like that. Is that in production? Um, or will it be in production by then? Yeah, that's the thing is I don't think that stuff is in production yet. I think Leslie Headland is working on the Acolyte right now, but I think they're still they might still be like casting it and stuff. I don't okay. think they've started shooting yet. Um, but a year from now, I would assume that a lot more of that stuff would be in production. Right, right. Um, so yeah, man, that's that's gonna be really exciting. Yeah, um, wow. Not to mention whatever like video games and stuff like that are gonna be uh closer on the horizon that's going to be a fun celebration next year yeah maybe um that rumored uh ubisoft game will be uh making an appearance then yeah possibly well and that's the thing it's not just rumored like they've announced that they're working on a star wars game they just is haven't it? talked like, is about it, it yeah i didn't see any like official press release i've just I, I just remember seeing rumors that it was happening well, the press release was that um that they're letting other studios other than just EA make Star Wars games, which was like okay. a big deal. I do remember because, that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause EA was supposed to have the exclusive license through yeah. 2023, I believe. Um, and they announced that other studios are working on Star Wars games. And the one specific one that they announced was Ubisoft is working on an open world game. Oh, I don't um, remember the specific name drop. 
All right, cool. Yeah, that, and that was that was back like either beginning of this year or sometime last year, but obviously they didn't talk about that at E3 at all. And I'm wondering if it's something with the licensing where like they're allowed to start working on the game, but maybe mm. they can't release it or even like market it or talk about it until after EA's license expires. So yeah, that makes sense. We might not see that game until sometime 2023 or later, but. Um, I'm also thinking we might not see too many Star Wars video games at Celebration just because that's like, what, two weeks before next year's E3 and typically something like that they like to save for. for yeah, E3. well, I don't know, because I feel like the previous years, like with both of the Battlefront games, I think they had their big debuts at Celebration and then they just talked about it more at E3. Um, I think you're right about Anaheim. I think that yeah, was like... You know what it was? It was like the the big like cinematic trailer was at Celebration and then E3 had like gameplay, if I remember. Yes. Well, also Yeah, I th- the the big cinematic trailer reveal or whatever was at at Celebration, but they also had like a closed doors uh gameplay demo cuz uh, I went okay. to that. Okay. Um so like the first public gameplay footage reveal was at uh was at E3. Mhm. Um, I remember, and I know that I, I, I tried I think, to get into that panel and I couldn't get in. Yeah, I oh I did. I had to wait in line for like three hours though. <laughs> I I missed the um I was waiting in line for that and I missed the uh the panel with like Gareth Edwards where they showed the first Rogue One teaser. Um, mm, okay. Because I remember like Mike and Tim and everybody was texting me about that while I was in line waiting to see Battlefront. <laughs> um, and then I think that I think Celebration in 2017 they showed the like the campaign single player trailer for battlefront 2 and then they showed the multiplayer gameplay at e3 so okay um yeah i would assume if especially if there are any games coming out like around the holiday season next year or just anything that's in production that's you know sort of ready to be shown off i would guarantee they're gonna show at least something at celebration Mm -hmm. next year cool um but yeah that on top of all the series and stuff we got coming out that's gonna be an awesome time let's go maybe it'll be a jedi fallen order to possibly yeah because I, I mean unless they've got that gearing up for this year but i doubt it like no I'm sure i think we would have seen it by now if, yeah if yeah and i mean we've got ea play live coming up in a couple weeks and i'm mm-hmm. hoping that they're gonna announce fallen order too but i wouldn't be surprised oh, if it releases. i wouldn't be surprised if it's releasing next year and not this year mm-hmm. when it when is um, that ea event that's i want to say july 22nd okay so it's like the next uh, two, three weeks. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll cool. know soon enough. Yeah, very good. Um, well, anyway, that's it for the news. Should we jump into the episode recap? Yeah, let's do it. All right. What else you got? Give me more! Drives online. Cross that, take the towers. How many are there? Five of them. That's Clone Force 99. This is Wrecker, Hunter, Echo, Tech, and Crosshair. My name's Amiga. The Clone Wars have ended. You can either adapt and survive, or die with the past. Now, it's time for the Rebel Cells. Good soldiers follow orders. Episode recap. All right. So again, this week we're talking about the Bad Batch episode Common Ground, uh, which was what, episode 10? 
think? Or are we on 11? We should probably, we really should have looked into this. Let's see. We should have. <laughs> we all, just know. See, I'm pretty it, sure. It feels like we, uh, you know, dad's away for the, for the weekend and we have to not burn the house down while he's gone. <laughs> uh, all right, let's see. 10, yes, correct. Comment okay, down. okay. That's what I thought. Like, I remember in episode 10, but also the season's flying by so fast. I'm like, wait, are we on the right? already, though? I still feel like we're at the halfway point, but it's already, like, two episodes since then. Crazy. Yeah. You know what's weird? I don't know if you feel this way, but the episodes feel like they sneak up on me so fast because we record these podcasts on Tuesday. Yes. Yes. And so then when a new episode comes out on Friday, it's like, it feels like the last episode was just a few days ago. And it's yep. like, oh, no, that's when I talked about it on Rebel Cells. It's been a whole <laughs> exactly. week since it came out. Um, not to mention you get Loki thrown in during the week too. And it's mm -hmm. like all kinds of good stuff. Um, yeah, but yeah, so episode 10 common ground, uh, directed by Saul Ruiz and written by, I'm going to butcher this name, Gersim Ran Santu. Sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I'll go ahead and start off the recap here. Uh, the people of Raxis. Oh, by the way, the, the recap this week brought to you by the illustrious Joe Hogan. Uh, his, his illustrious writing skills. Uh, took on <laughs> yeah, or lack thereof. So if it sounds horrible, it's because uh, I, uh, I I wrote it myself thinking, oh, that's what we're supposed to do. See, and I, I remember while I was writing, I was like, wow, Mike puts a lot of work into this every week. <laughs> this is a lot of work, man. But you were, Kyle, you were saying from past uh Colmore's episodes you used to be the one doing the recap you actually wrote the recap yeah. for, for anything yeah. that didn't have like an episode guide and I mean that's how I initially got started with Mike back on uh Frontlines the Clone Wars podcast was um well actually I think first it was it was Celebration 5 I want to say back in like 2010 oh, wow. and it was in the middle of like Clone Wars it was like right before Clone Wars season 3 and mm -hmm. Mike and Matt got to go um and, you know, I just, I was like 19 at the time. It was like, oh man, that's so cool. Like I want to go get a press pass and get to interview Dave Filoni and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and I was like an avid, avid listener of the podcast. I was one of the first listeners on Frontlines. And so I had kind of built a relationship with Mike. Like I was, I was active on the forums that they had at the time. And we were probably friends on Facebook. And I reached out to him and was like, hey, the next celebration, if you need like an extra reporter or something, you know, let me know. And he's like, well, you'd have to like be more involved in the podcast first. So like, here, you want to write these recaps? And I was like, sure. <laughs> um, being a, you know, a, a eager young college student with all this free time on my hands. Um, and so, yeah, I, I wrote the recaps for most of Clone Wars. Cause back then they didn't, I think they had episode guides, but they didn't have like recap summaries to go with them. Yeah. They weren't very um, detailed. Yeah. Yeah. It was more yeah. just like the behind the scenes stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and they may have even done it for like the first couple seasons and then stopped doing it because it wasn't until season three that Mike was like, oh, shoot, I need somebody to write these recaps for me. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I, I started doing that. But then um, I think with Rebels, they started doing more of the recaps on StarWars.com. And so I still was doing some stuff, but then I would sometimes just copy and paste it and put it together. And then for Bad Batch, that's just what Mike has been doing, has been copying and pasting them off of there. Um, but yeah, regardless, we, we appreciate... Uh, the illustrious effort <laughs> hardly <laughs> thank you for the shout um, out though. <laughs> all right so the people of raxis a former world of the separatist movement are gathered together by the galactic empire for a display of imperial might in hopes of earning the loyalty of the raxis citizens despite being strong-armed by captain bragg and her clone trooper escorts the beloved senator avi singh refuses to persuade his people to cooperate with the imperial occupation of raxis at this demonstration he is taken into custody while ATTEs close in on the area, 
And GS8, the senator's loyal droid, makes a last-ditch effort to save his master by contacting Sid for help. Um, his and this was, I, I think I, I think I should have put her for that. That's what, yeah, that's what her, I was thinking. Her, I was like, I'm pretty sure the droid had a female yeah, voice, but yeah. um, I just thought this was really cool. Seeing, uh, you know, just right off the bat here with this setup, seeing what happened to Separatist-controlled planets after uh, Revenge of the Sith, and with this whole transition into the Empire and everything. Um, cause if you just watch Revenge of the Sith, you'd just assume all the separatists got wiped out. Like, you know, Anakin goes and slaughters Newt Gunray and Poggle the Lesser and Watt Tambor and all those guys and shuts down all the droid armies and you just think all oh, the separatists are done. Um, but then in the Clone Wars where they dive a lot more into, um, sort of like the good people in the Confederacy or the ones that, you know, have, are, are doing it not cause they're, you know, evil and greedy and just, you know, want to have their droid army take over, but like have their legitimate reasons for wanting to separate from the Republic and seeing, the corruption of the Senate and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's like, what happened to those people? Mm -hmm. um, and it's something that I hadn't necessarily thought a whole lot about, but you know, just with the, the setup here at the beginning of the episode, I was like, Oh good. I'm glad this is something that we're getting to explore. Um, and again, that's one of my favorite things about the bad batch is just exploring all the different sort of facets of the galaxy under this transformation into the empire and seeing how it's affecting different people and different planets and stuff like that. Um, so again, even though this episode on the whole wasn't necessarily the most exciting, I did really appreciate that aspect about it. Yeah, there was that nice little nugget because um, you know the whole heroes on both side things from the from the uh, episode three opening crawl. Really, all we had uh, was the Bonteries, right? Like mm -hmm. everybody else on the Separatists were just kind of jerks. So yeah, it was it was cool to see a Separatist that um, wasn't drawn well not drawn but like designed to look evil from the get-go and seemed like a good person and you know it was in a very difficult position and you know the citizens of raxus seemed like they they really cared about him and and you know trusted him so you're right it, it was a very um i don't know maybe surprising is the right word like i really just didn't think that the show was going to explore so many of the things that it's exploring it really wasn't the show has not been at all what i was expecting from the beginning and it's it's kind of cool and even though you and i are, are you know we mentioned it before that yeah it was it was an okay episode um it's cool that they're still doing this in every episode where there is that little nugget of hey here's that thing you you probably didn't think about but we're gonna give it to you anyway um mm -hmm. and it, it was cool it, it's funny because i thought in the trailer when we saw Raxus, I actually thought it was Onderon for some reason. Um, it reminded yeah. me of the like the Stila and Saw episodes where where they were at the palace. Where um, mm -hmm. uh, I just remember that big crowd that was gathered outside that large palace, and that's yeah. what I was. That's where I thought we were. Um, I hadn't gone back and watched it to check. I just was like, "Oh, we're going to Onderon at some point," and I figured, "Oh, well, Saw's in the show, so that makes sense." So it was cool that, oh, yeah, it kind of flipped my expectation in that regard, too. Um, yeah, and I had thought of that, too. I think when we first saw the trailer and, like, seeing... Because um, I think we saw Saw in the trailer, right? Um, yes, maybe, I think. I don't remember. I think at actually. some point we knew that Saw was going to be in the show before we actually saw the show. Yeah, yeah, I think so, too. And, yeah, seeing this shot in the trailer with the ATTEs and stuff, I had that same thought that it was Onderon. Um, and then once we saw, saw like in the first episode, 
and I was like, well, I don't know if we'd be going back to Onderon so soon. And like looking at the the trailer again, I was like, oh, maybe that's Raxus though. Mm. Um, Cause they do both kind of look similar, at least the, the palaces and stuff. But. Have we ever been, see, it's, it's impressive to me that you even had the thought that it could be Raxus. Have we ever been to Raxus in the Clone Wars? Cause I don't remember yeah, ever being there. That's where that episode Heroes on Both Sides takes place. Oh, yeah. Uh, Lux, okay. Lux, Lux Bonteri's mom was the senator Rax. from Raxus. Okay. Which wow, actually I don't remember was, that. Which was kind of surprising. I was surprised that we didn't see Lux Bonteri in this episode. Mm, um, okay. You know, once once I realized that not only were we on Raxus, but that we were dealing with like the Empire taking over and trying to persuade their senator and all that, I was like, oh, why didn't they have Lux be the senator? I mean, I know mm. he left and, you know, joined up with the fighter, fighters right. on Onderon and stuff, right. but... I thought maybe once the war was over, it would have made sense if he maybe went back to Onderon and he or to uh, to Raxus rather, and he could still be there, you know, somewhere. We don't know what he's up to at this point. True, but, true. Yeah, well, um, yeah, I did not catch that. I see it's whenever I do my Clone Wars rewatch, there are some episodes I skip, and I just never really cared for that Heroes on Both Sides episode. So more often than uh, not, I skip it in the rewatch. But. See, I actually like that one as far as like the political episodes in Clone Wars go, because there definitely are some where like if I were doing a rewatch, I would skip that mm. um, or ones that I just don't think highly of. Like the one immediately after that, which I think was Pursuit of Peace. Um, I don't really like that one, but um, Heroes on Both Sides, I thought was a pretty interesting, like just seeing the dynamic between Lux and Ahsoka and seeing them mm. kind of learn more about each other's sides i thought was pretty cool uh well now you've convinced me i need to rewatch it next time so yeah i'd say it's worth i will include it um all right you want to jump to the next paragraph yeah sure returning from another successful mission the bad batch are quickly confronted by an unimpressed sid the batch are tasked with extracting senator singh from raxus but the clones are not eager to visit the former center the center of the separatist government after an aggressive reminder about their looming debt from Sid, Clone Force 99 agrees to the new mission, but with the caveat that Omega should remain on Ord Mantell under Sid's supervision. After being chased by two bounty hunters, the group agrees that she should stay behind this time, considering how dangerous it may be for her on Raxus. Omega is not pleased. Um, this was kind of a moment that I was kind of happy, and it's not because I don't like Omega, it's I just really wanted to see some action of the the guys just like going. You know what I mean? Like I just want to see super efficient Clone Force 99 on a mission kicking butt, you know, they're the bad batch. I want to see the bad batch being the bad batch and not worrying about like, oh, we got to protect Omega. Oh, Omega got into trouble again. You know what I mean? I love Omega. Yeah. I love Omega as a character and I think it's after this episode it kind of showed me, oh, it's actually kind of more interesting with the dynamic of having Omega with them. Because, mm -hmm. you know, not to jump too far ahead, this really was just kind of action by the numbers with in the A storyline with the Bad Batch, right? Like, everything was just like, yeah. okay, we got this, next thing. Okay, we got this, next thing. Like, even the challenges that they face, which we'll, I guess we'll get into, um, that stuff was just like, okay, we got to fix, next thing. Okay, we got to fix. It's, it's more... I don't know. It just feels like there's more at stake when Omega's there and, you know, they have to protect her and like that's everyone's goal. Everyone's, you know, kind of on edge a little bit about it. So I had that sense of like, oh, cool. I'm finally going to get this thing that I wanted. And then I got it and realized, oh, I don't really want this. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, I don't know uh, if that makes any sense, but that's that's no, how definitely. I felt after this scene. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and for me, I mean, I wasn't necessarily like really hoping to see the Bad Batch off on their own, but I did think like their reasoning made sense. I mean, as much as I love Omega as a character and I love seeing her go with them on missions and stuff, you know, she is uh, still a young kid that you're mm. putting in peril week after week. Right. Like, the Empire's <laughs> after her, the Kaminoans are after her, there's bounty hunters after her. Like maybe every once in a while it is a good idea for her to lay low, especially when you're going to an Imperial occupied planet. So it was um, kind of like in Phantom Menace, how they bring baby Anakin to Naboo at the end. Like leave the kid here. Like, yeah, the kid's yeah. not from Naboo. Leave the kid here. Go do what you got to do. And then we'll make sure Anakin gets home safely. It's okay. It was such like a, a good weird point. thing. I'm going to bring this child into a war zone. Yeah. All right. <laughs> like, it just never made sense. Well, I mean, like, the Jedi Council was like, we don't want him. And Qui-Gon's like, okay, fine. Yeah. I'll have him stick with me while I go, you know, right. fight this war. Tell him to stay in the cockpit and he ends up taking off. Yeah, I know. So, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, did you have any? Did you have any thoughts on this section? Or, um, not really. Um, I mean, I'll talk more later as we get into it about the whole, you know, Omega's little side mission with Sid, which I also thought was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I said, I mean, I, I thought it made sense for for them to want to leave her behind, just given the circumstances. But then I also liked just sort of the setup of where that leads by the end of the episode, and just kind of evolving their their character dynamic and her really wanting to kind of prove her prove herself and earn her place as part of the team Mm -hmm. um but yeah i'll just keep going to the next part here uh after repeated protests from echo and a tense approach to the planet the team touches down on raxis and quickly rendezvous with their client gs8 the plucky droid leads the bad batch to where her master is being kept meanwhile omega bored with the mundane chores of cleaning sid's bar laments that she wishes she could have gone with the team Sid, in all her usual tactfulness, tells Omega that if she wasn't so helpless, that she wouldn't have been left behind. Obviously hurt, Omega retreats to the other side of the bar. In an unusual display of remorse and compassion, Sid softens her tone, but is met with some teen angst from Omega. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Very descriptive, but not at all inaccurate. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I mean, again, like... I liked um, just the way this episode kind of explored, um, you know, more more of that like side of Omega of again being the kid who is kind of out of her element and all this, but also like, you know, she feels like she belongs as part of the team, not only because she's useful, but just because she has relationships with these guys. And you know, like any kid, they don't want to be left out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like when you're a kid and your parents or your older siblings or whatever, or like yeah, you got to leave we're leaving you behind this is adult stuff or this is big kid stuff it's like even if you know that like you still want to be a part of it you don't like feeling mm-hmm. left out so um you know i like them just kind of exploring that with her and also showing a little bit of um a, a bit of a softer side for sid even after showing her usual uh lack of tact as you put it um <laughs> but then showing her kind of soften up to the kid a little bit and i i mean you know we've talked about in the past how every episode it seems to kind of focus on uh omega's relationship with one member of the team usually hunter or uh wrecker um but in this case getting to see her bond with sid a little bit was fun too yeah it was cool to see sid kind of lighten up a little bit um i mean especially later on as, as we go but uh it, the moment i can never remember their names the two patrons the the weakway and the hammerhead uh yeah. where even they shoot her a look like what are you doing you can't talk to a kid like that it was so funny to me. I thought that was so funny that the two drunks 
we're lecturing Sid on how to like be, <laughs> you know, how to chaperone a child. I just thought that was so funny. Yeah. Uh, all right, so should I uh, move on? Yeah, go for it. All right. Back on Raxus, the Bad Batch infiltrates the Imperial compound with the help of GS8's expert baiting skills. <laughs> they are able to stun and subdue their former brothers who are patrolling the perimeter, while Tech manipulates the security network to find the team away inside the enemy stronghold. Uh, I, noticed, I noticed that they stopped shooting to kill. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was going to... I was going to bring that up too, which I thought was odd because, you know, like I've talked about this multiple times on previous episodes that I want an episode where they just kind of like, I don't have a problem with it, but I just want to want them to kind of acknowledge the fact that these guys yeah. are like just dunning down all these other clones. And I yeah. want to know, like, are they, are they fine with it? Cause they just see them as part of the empire now. Like, do they regret that they, you know, don't want to do this, but it's necessary. Like, how do they feel about the fact that they're, you know, shooting their brothers, um, and again, I, I don't necessarily have a problem with it. Like, I get why it's necessary. Like, you're fighting for your lives. You're fighting to protect Omega. Like, these guys are not trying to take any prisoners. Um, but just, you know, like, if, if this was Clone Wars and Rex had a mission where he had to shoot other clone troopers, like, you know, we'd be seeing the, the yeah. toll that it took on him and, and be seeing, like, how it affected him psychologically. So just to, like, to not explore that side of it with the Bad Batch just felt like we were missing something to me. And then to go from, like, the last time they had a run-in with the Empire, they were just shooting them, you know, shooting to kill, and now they're stunning them, and they to not really explain that switch or talk about, like, yeah. hey, this time, such a blaster's to stun, it was just kind of like... Well, I'm I sure think, this is. I'm sure this isn't the case, but it almost felt like the showrunners were like, "Oh shoot, we forgot they're shooting clone troopers. How about we just have them stun them in this episode?" Well, I think it makes sense right now. Oh, no, because they're doing it later in the episode too. At first, I thought maybe it's just a stealth thing, but then once kind of you know the doo doo hits the fan and and they're being chased later by uh, the Empire, they're still stunning. They're still yeah, like yeah, using. They're, they're, like, they're still set run. to stun running and gunning having open shootouts in the streets and it's just all stun blasts you know what's funny you just dug up some like memories of me when i saw the embara arc and you know they had to kill uh pong krell uh -huh. where who was it dogma i think was the one that did it right or was it yeah fives uh yeah no, okay. no, no yeah, yeah because dogma. because dogma, dogma yeah. is the one that was against right. the rest of them doing right. it and then he um, ended up being the one that killed them and they never really had much, like, reflection on that after it happened. Like, I kind of really wanted to see, like, an uncomfortableness between Rex and, like, the council or something. Having to be like, yeah, so uh, this guy who's part of your order, we sort of had to kill him. And, like, it just mm -hmm. was just, it was just, I don't remember what it was. I don't even remember what the resolution after that seed was. It was just... Oh, someday this war is going to end. What are we going to do? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's, that's it. That's how we're ending this episode. We're a clone. And, a, and a, like this whole, you know, all of these things happened because of this evil Jedi. And that's the note we're ending it on. Like, there's not going to be any type of exploration of the Jedi being like, what are you talking about? And yeah, no, like distrust between, oh, well, if if we couldn't trust him, who else can't we trust? setting the seeds for like order 66 stuff. Like I was really disappointed when that happened. And that kind of like, you reminded me of that by this, how they never really addressed this either. 
Mm-hmm. Well, oh, I certainly wasn't trying to, to get you <laughs> on a whole Lombardatari yeah. tangent. But <laughs> while we're on that topic, see, the thing that always bugged me about that was the fact that because, you know, Paul and Krell shows up and tells Anakin, like, hey, the Chancellor needs you for something and mm-hmm. told me to come take over. And it's like, did Palpatine actually want Anakin for that? And did he know what was going on with Krell? Like, did he mm-hmm. actually mastermind that whole thing? Or did... Did Palpatine actually want Anakin for something and Krell just happened to to use that to his advantage and he just sort of seized the opportunity and was like, I'm going to use this to, to screw with some clones. Regardless, the, the resolution that I wanted to see was what's Anakin's reaction when he comes back and finds mm, out that this other yeah. Jedi took control of his unit, ordered yeah. his guys to just like recklessly charge to their deaths. Like a bunch of his unit got wiped out. They ended up turning on the Jedi and killing him and like... You know, did he get to Palpatine's office and is like, you called Chancellor? And Chancellor's like, what What are you talking about? I didn't call for you. Um, And you know what's funny? As much as I love Clone Wars, that is sort of one issue that I had with just the way that all the stories were kind of, you know, there were so many one-off episodes and so many like story arcs that didn't really like link together. It was just like you know, they told all these like self-contained stories and there were so many of them like that where I wanted to see the aftermath or yeah. uh, how that affected the characters going forwards after that. Zillow beast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that wasn't even like, that just felt like a, a cliffhanger that they left that they might come back around to that they yeah. never did. But, um, but yeah, also the fact that, you know, you would think somebody down the line would mention like, Hey, remember that one time on Coruscant when we had like a three armed Godzilla worm lizard thing running around? Like that seems <laughs> that like was something weird. That, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's not an episode of rebel cells without a huge tangent. And since Mike isn't here this week, we, yeah, uh, we're, we had we're to, doing our best. We had to fill in the gaps <laughs> for him. Otherwise it's going to be a real short episode. To <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, all right. You want to, uh, you want to take it away? Yeah, um, let's see. What was the last one you did? Uh, the very short one. Oh, yeah. I see. The, the, um... So you're oh, on. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I got it. I'm, the, I'm green. I'm green. I got it. Yes. Now. Yes. Uh, Sid is playing Dejeric against two of her most frequent patrons back at the bar and is losing. With some help from Omega, she manages to turn the odds in her favor and quickly realizes that Omega has a keen sense for strategy. Ever the opportunist, Sid proposes the two strike a deal. If Omega is willing to play Dejeric against the other denizens of the bar, then Sid would cut her in on 30% of the winnings. Omega, a fast learner from all of who she observes, quickly chimes back demanding 60%. The two have a deal. And I love this exchange because back when the, the Bad Batch first met Sid, and um, I don't remember if this is like their ongoing arrangement with her or if it was like just the first job that they did, but she was like, you know, you get 30%. And they kind of grumbled about it. They were like, 30%? Okay, <laughs> fine. And Omega's like, uh, you know, Omega's like, oh, I'm not taking the first thing you offer me. Like, no, yeah. I want 60. Like, you know, she's she's crafty. And, you know, kind of continuing with that theme, like um, every time Sid has to to kind of negotiate with the whole batch, she's always like, yeah, Omega's the smart one. Like, she's, uh, you know, kind of more clever than the rest of you guys. And she was showing it here, so... Well, she learns something from everyone, and this is something that she definitely learned from Sid, I think. Yeah. How to negotiate. So it's she really does pick up from everybody she's around, which I thought was was cool to see her kind of like coming into her own in, in that regard here. Yeah, definitely. And then also just seeing her uh, her degeric skills, 
which I don't know if that's something that she picked up just from watching the people at the bar or if she, you know, learned that in her spare time back on Camino. Um, Cause you know, we know that she's not like a, a clone trooper training to fight and stuff. And so it's like, she had to be doing something back there. Um, <laughs> so maybe she's already good at it or maybe she picked it up just from, from watching these guys. But regardless, um, it was cool to see, you know, yet another aspect where like, Again, she's a kid. She's not an expert soldier. Like, she can't do the same things that all the other members of the Bad Batch can do, but she is still very smart and capable and useful. And in this case, is just, you know, paying off their debt. Mm-hmm. Um, but still proving that, like, even if she's not going to be on the front lines with the blaster, that she still is a very valuable member of this team. Um, I really tried very hard to uh, figure out what button did what on the console <laughs> because it really just felt like, Oh, Sid pushed one button and then the other, you know, the, the, the enemy character, you know, dodged somehow and hit it back or whatever. And it was just like, how do you play this game? What exactly is what, how, what, what do the buttons, you know, correlate to sort of thing? Uh, because I really want to play. I want to learn how to play this game. Uh, yeah, that would be I so cool. There's know. a game that EA needs to release. Well, I'll tell you what. They've released a game. Um, this is like a few years ago, and it's like a kind of like a VR game, but it's not for the Oculus. It's got it's it's called like Star Wars Jedi Trials, and okay. it comes with its own headset and like lightsaber controller. Yes, I do know um, what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. a lightsaber it, with like a tiny, tiny blade, right? Right, right. But then when you play it, so it's like it's augmented reality. And so it's like a see through screen so you can see the room around you. But then like Mm -hmm. it also projects like the graphics onto it. And so even though that lightsaber only has like a one inch blade coming out of it, when you're playing the game and you ignite it, you see the full lightsaber blade in front of you. Um, It's pretty dang cool. I got it for Christmas like a couple of years ago. But Um, is there is there like a degeric on that or yes there there oh. also is a degeric game in there but i don't think it's like if there i don't know if there are official rules of degeric but this version is basically just kind of like a turn-based strategy game mm-hmm. where like each of the little chess pieces like they all have different like ranges of squares that they can move and then they all have different amounts of damage that they do when they can hit and some of them you have to be right next to the guy to hit them and some of them can do ranged attacks from like two squares away mm-hmm. um so it's a little bit less like chess and a, more like a really simplified version of like, you know, Fire Emblem or something like that, mm, just on a, on a circular board. Um, still fun to play, but I mean, you know, I don't think those are like the rules that they're playing by in this show or in the movies or anything like that. That's neat. That's neat. I want to ref- I want an official, like a uh, official release. Yeah. Well, the other thing too, I mean, obviously I get the feeling it's the kind of thing that like, I don't know if there are official rules for Dejeric out there somewhere, but mm. I don't think they're necessarily worried too much about that in the show. Like, right. Yeah. You know, like they're, they're just kind of doing whatever it needs to do for the story. Omega yeah, pushes exactly. the <laughs> like, jumps two squares and knocks out the other guy. And it's like, I don't know what <laughs> you just did, but apparently she's good at this game. Yeah. I don't know. But, all right. Should I uh, keep a move on? Yeah. All right. Uh, while Captain Briggs begins an interrogation of Senator Singh, The Bad Batch and GS-8 arrive just in time to spring him from captivity. With the Senator's favorite priceless antique vase in hand, the team makes a break for it by stealing an Imperial ATTE. It doesn't take long before the Bad Batch is found out, though, and Bragg awakens from her brief nap to alert the troopers under her command to their whereabouts. 
The walker is quickly damaged, but thanks to some fast work by Tech, uh, with cover from the rest of the team, they were able to get the stolen ATTE up and running again. And I specifically you, mentioned you the Vaz. Put, you should have put you should have put running in quotation marks. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, yeah. Wow, they are so slow. Yeah. Um, and I set yeah, up so the, you're, you're the, saying the, so. yeah. I set up the sentence that they includes the included the Vaz. They brought the Vaz with them and then used it. And I didn't even put it in, in the uh, description because I'm pretty sure this oh, is when they okay. used it, right? Like, doesn't he throw it at, at somebody? It was at some point. Yeah, yeah. When they're yeah. um. Because, yeah, I think it's maybe Tech and Echo are, like, working on the walker. Yeah, and they that's get surrounded by some yeah. troopers. And then Singh throws the thing at one of them. And it's like, oh, I never liked that anyway. I thought that was a cute um, little setup. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was fun. Um, and showing, you know, like, especially with uh, Echo's earlier hesitation of not wanting to go to a Separatist planet or not wanting to rescue a Separatist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, even though like the war's over the empire's in charge now and you know these guys are realizing like them and the former separatists are kind of on the same side like the empire Mm -hmm. is everybody's common enemy but still having that distrust left over from the clone wars he was like no i don't want any part of this and to have so to have them not only put those differences aside to to rescue him um but also for him to be willing willing to you know help them out in this way too even though you know this thing that was supposedly his priceless possession he was like i don't really care about it but Mm. Um, that was a nice little touch. I actually really like GS8. Yeah, yeah, she was a fun droid. It was it was cool to see like kind of an uptight droid who is still very likable. And I mean, I guess C3PO obviously is too. But um, I don't know something 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 about her. I just I I enjoyed most of the time she was in the uh, in the limelight. I thought she was. Yeah. I, I like that she was brave, even though she's kind of like, you know. I don't. Know, I don't think the word is ditzy. I think I'm ditzy. I don't know what the right word for for her is. Um, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, I, I know what you're getting at, though. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she was a fun character. Also, I just gotta say, I absolutely love ATTEs. They're some of my favorite ground vehicles in Star yeah. Wars. But boy, are they slow. Like, yeah, <laughs> I I love a battle scene with ATTEs and you know clones defending one while it's shooting at droids and stuff. But like a chase, a chase, <laughs> a chase scene with ATTEs through some city streets, man, yeah. oh man, this was yeah, man. not the Fast and the Furious. This was nope. the slow and the even tempered. <laughs> yeah, it was a little brutal. It was a little yeah. brutal. All right. Well, speaking of the uh, exciting chase scene, you want to take it away? Yeah. Uh, Senator Singh purposely guides them to what seems to be a choke point in the city streets. With the Empire confidently closing in, the Senator instructs the Bad Batch to open a hatch and demolish a nearby wall. There's a subterranean passage on the other side. They all file out and make their way through the tunnels while the Empire focuses on destroying the now-abandoned walker. The Bad Batch escapes uh, escapes their Imperial pursuers with the Senator and GS8 in tow. When arriving at the Marauder on the outskirts of the city, Senator Singh starts to have second thoughts about abandoning his people. But the team convinces him that escaping Imperial custody is the best way to fight for Raxes. Live to fight another day. And I love that callback to, um, yeah. gosh, what is it? Hard, hard Case in the Clone Wars, who tells uh, the clones, live to fight another day, boys. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, nice little resolution there. I wonder if we're maybe going to see Senator Singh again at some point. Um I mean, again, it, it's weird because on the one hand, I don't really want this show to sort of explore like 
an early foundation of the rebel alliance because like rebels kind of already did that and we know that there's sort of like separate factions and like individual people that are already trying to sort of resist the empire in their own way but we know it's going to be a long time before that really comes together but at the same time knowing that there's people like rex that are already talking about being yeah out there fighting, exactly um i'm wondering if at some point we're going to see some of these people come together whether it's yeah. you know, rex or ahsoka or bail organa or saw guerrera and uh to maybe see a former separatist senator join up with those guys and again see them all sort of coming together to fight their new common enemy in the empire i think would be pretty cool yeah, I think it's a matter of time, but you're you're pretty right that Rebels really already did this. Like, it would just be, like, retreading old ground, but I don't know. I guess this is even earlier days, so maybe maybe there's some stories to tell there. Uh, I don't know. But, yeah, I'm, I'm also not very excited about the prospect of that being the direction of uh, where things are going to go. But it does, it does bring up that point, like... Um, it was a two episodes ago where Hunter says, well, Rex is on his own path from us. And I think Echo is like, well, we're soldiers. What other path is there for us? So mm-hmm. I feel like at some point they're all going to be moving in that direction. Yeah, possibly. Um, and well, yeah, I don't know. Like, again, I just, I don't want that to be the main thrust of the show for them mm-hmm. to end up being like, part of the rebel alliance quote unquote but at the same time i mean they are gonna like we know they're probably gonna um end up having some big confrontation with the empire like the empire's after them they're, like it's gonna have to come to a head at some point so um maybe they are eventually gonna sort of need to team up with some allies in that fight um and i don't know i mean they could make it a smaller scale conflict too you know whether it's just going against crosshair and his squad or whether it's getting caught up in whatever's going to be going down on camino um and trying to like you know they might have like a big long story arc where they're just trying to oust the empire from one planet or stop them from uh building one super weapon or something like that and it's like this is obviously not overthrowing the whole empire because we know that's going to be still way down the line but Mm -hmm. um i don't know maybe give them some kind of more reasonable objective yeah time will tell only only what six episodes left yeah because this is 10 yeah Oh man, this is going real quick. The weeks uh, are yeah. going by real fast. Yeah, definitely. And uh, like on the one hand, I'm like, no, slow down. Like I want yeah. more bad batch, but at the same time, I'm like, but also get us quicker to yeah. Boba Fett and all the other <laughs> stuff. So, yeah, I would like the, the the story to advance a little more now because I feel like. What was wait? What was last week's? Because I remember being kind of lukewarm about last week's too. What was last week was the one where uh, Fennec shows up to take oh, to, yeah. to try to steal Omega away from Cad Bane. Yeah, I mean, I guess that did advance the overall story a bit. This week's didn't, and then I, I guess because I was just kind of on un- not underwhelmed. I don't know. I was just kind of neutral about last week's episode. It was it was good, but uh, I don't know. I just kind of wasn't super interested. I was telling Mike this week for the first time ever during a bad batch episode, I was like checking emails and it was three <laughs> fifteen in the morning. There was no reason to be checking emails at three fifteen. <laughs> Nobody's reaching out to me at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm looking forward to the story really kind of getting back on track and going whatever direction it's going to go. Because like we said, there's only six episodes left. So who knows where we're going to be going from yeah now sure. and the end of it but yeah in those six episodes the more of crosshair and the empire yes. and the kaminoans and 
all that kind of stuff that we get, the better. And, you know, more of Cad Bane is never a bad thing either. But. Absolutely. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. I, yeah, it's not like I don't want Cad Bane back or anything. But as long yeah. as it it is serving the story and it's not just another, like, well, I'm back for revenge. I'm kidding. Right. And nothing else, you know, changes. I don't know. Yeah, like, as you get towards the end of the season, you want the the end of the season to feel like it's kind of like the culmination of a story arc and maybe have even have the uh like the last three or four episodes kind of all be a continuous story and not Mm -hmm. just a bunch of one-offs i Um, i could see cad bane tracking them to ord mantel and now they have to leave being something that would kind of move things along a bit Um, yeah possibly or the empire tracking them to ord mantel yeah Yeah. see now i'm worried Um, that the uh the hammerhead and the weak way are going to sacrifice themselves so they can escape oh how tragic (laughs) because i I feel i mean we talked about this real early on about sid being untrustworthy um yeah i really feel like sid is going to be put in the position where she's got to choose herself or them and now that she has this like connection with omega and omega well i guess i shouldn't uh jump ahead too far but you know uh she's I think Omega is the only person she's called by name now without like goggles or headband or. or, Yeah, exactly. Or bandana. Yeah. Band. uh, That's what it was. Bandana. Um, Yeah. Now Omega is Omega to Sid. So uh, we see the hard shell cracking with Sid and, and I, I am positive (laughs) that's to ruin us later on when the time comes. Probably. Probably. Well, on that note, why don't you go ahead and read the last part? And then good, we good call. Talk about all that. <laughs> when the Bad Batch arrives back at Ord Mantel, Sid's bar is packed. At the center of the excitement, Omega is playing against another patron in Dejeric. Dejeric? 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 Yeah, I think that's how you say it. Okay. Uh, so much for keeping a low profile. After a close call, Omega comes out on top. And after the victory, Sid calls it a day for the gambling. The crowd clears out of the bar. And after Hunter voices some concern about the attention that Omega received, Sid snaps back with a big reveal. Omega won enough money to wipe the debt of the Bad Batch. After a quiet moment, Hunter decides to test Omega's strategic medal and offers her a wager. If she can beat him in one game of Dejeric, she would never be left behind for any mission ever again. The two square off and the match begins. How did they not show us (laughs) who won that match? I mean, I think to me, this is just sort of my interpretation of it. I think we're supposed to assume that Omega wins the match Mm -hmm. um, because she's been beating everybody else and taking all their money. And this is, you know, we, we, we've established like she's really good at strategy and and these type of games and stuff. And she's the brains (laughs) other than tech. yeah, Yeah. And I really liked this, the way they resolved this because like, you know, Hunter kind of, being um i don't know a little a little grumpy or sort of stubborn in like hey i told you like i don't care if you won like i told you to lay low and not attract attention to yourself and yeah. that's not what you're doing and like you know he's more concerned about her safety above everything else but is kind of coming off about a little coming off a little bit of a jerk about it um and then for omega to like get her feelings hurt and sid to be like hey she just wiped your dead out and him <laughs> kind of have that reali- realization of like oh it's like they could have had him stick to his guns and be like i don't care i'm the leader what i say goes like and have him kind of be like that grumpy dad stereotype um but they also could have gone i feel like the sort of cliche way to go about it would have him be like oh i'm sorry i didn't realize like 
you know, thank you so much for paying off mm. our debt. And we really want you to be part of the team. And so I love that they sort of strike this middle ground of like, he obviously has respect for her, but is also still concerned for her safety and is not just going right. to like give this to her easily. But he's like, okay, fine. You want to like prove that you don't want to be left behind and like earn your place on this team. Like he gives her the chance to earn it. Um, and rather than, again, rather than keeping it from her or just giving it to her freely, um, I think by, uh, by making her earn it and like giving her the chance to play for it, it sort of shows, um, you know, it, it gives her a chance to sort of grow and again, to, to prove herself and earn that place, but also kind of shows a level of respect for her on his part that he's like treating her as an equal, mm -hmm. um, He's like, you know, okay, then let's go toe to toe. And if you can beat me, then, you know, you get what you want. So I like that resolution. Um, and again, we may find out, like, maybe the next episode will start with their match, or maybe we'll find out that Hunter won. But I think given just sort of the emotional context of the scene and the fact that Omega's been beating people's butts the whole time that the Bad Batch was out on their mission, I'm sort of assuming that she won. Um, and this is just her, you know, sort of earning her place on the squad rather than Hunter just you know, handing it to her, uh, wrapped up in a bow. Yeah. Once he kind of leveled with her on it, uh, I, I think that was where I assumed the same thing because it's like, no, you know, I didn't want you to come. And now it's just like, all right, well, if you can beat me, you, you can, you can come. I feel like he wouldn't have posed that to her if he wasn't going to be okay with letting her come anyway. Yeah, exactly. It's like his his intention isn't to yeah. kick her butt and keep her off the team. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's a that's a good way to uh, to look at that scene. Yeah. So it was a nice little resolution there, and like you said, I liked the the development of the relationship between Sid and Omega, where Sid is like the one sticking up for her against Hunter. Um, but you're right; that could be a, tra a setup with some potentially tragic consequences. Yeah, I, I am real nervous about this, honestly. Because because like Sid could die protecting Omega, or she could sell yeah. her out to the Empire, and yeah. either one of those is equally as horrible, tragic, and yeah, <laughs> <It's> horrible. <laughs> not something I, I want to see. I hate where this is going. I love it, but I well, I hate it because I love it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But yeah. I think back to decent episode right like it was yeah yeah it wasn't I mean, bad like i said the the action was probably the least exciting part um, it's very color by numbers right yeah, yeah yeah um but yeah i mean i i think my favorite parts of the episode were just the setup on raxis seeing the imperial occupation and seeing uh just sort of the impact that that's having on a former separatist planet and seeing how the empire is treating them and what those people are going through um, and then seeing uh, just sort of the relationship between Sid and Omega develop and then seeing her, her relationship with Hunter grow at the end um, and seeing her, you know, find new and creative ways to be useful and to be part of the team. Um, again, like, you know, she doesn't always have to just be the small one that crawls through vents and stuff, but like even mm -hmm. when she's not out there, you know, shooting dudes with her bow or, you know, she's obviously not as as big as the rest of them or as skilled at fighting or anything like that, but just finding different ways to use her own unique skills to help them out and to be a useful part of the team, I think is cool to continually see. So those are um, my big takeaways from it. The other thing too, and we talk about this every week, but we just hadn't mentioned it yet with this one is the animation just continues to knock me on my butt. every. Oh week. yeah, man. 
especially like when they landed in that forest on Raxus and just like the colors of the trees and the way that the lighting was coming through and the shadows on the faces and everything was just fantastic. So it's like they were very quick because that time of day didn't change while they were gone. <laughs> That's true. It was like golden hour when they got there and then yeah. when they came back, it was still golden, golden hour. Maybe those ATTEs actually were quicker than they looked. Yeah, maybe it was a full 24 <laughs> hours, and that's how long that, that chase took. That could be, too. That could be, too. Um, I kind of wish that we had more Echo in this episode. You kind of touched on it before, where this would have been the perfect, like, let's get Echo in the spotlight episode. Like, he's against the Separatists. He has all these, like, traumatic, you know, this traumatic past with them because of what happened to him on the Citadel, and since then, and, you know, getting busted out by them, and he was so vocal in the beginning of this episode about not trusting, you know, the Senator and going to Raxus. Like he was so against it. I really thought we were going to get like, you know, you kind of touched on it before, like him and the Senator kind of, you know, maybe having a moment together where it would have been nice if he had that reaction to the Senator helping them escape. I don't know. Like, I just, I feel like that was kind of a missed opportunity. Um, Cause I'm, I'm still waiting for echo to have, his moment in the show, or at least like a little spotlight time, like even Wrecker to a degree had it with his, the inhibitor chip stuff. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think there's still more to do with him as a character, but you know, I'm still waiting for echoes big moment, I guess tech too, to some degree. Um, I don't know. This, well, this is me well, just kind of spitballing, but this is, I, I was a little disappointed that, you know, I, I kind of, it's my own fault. I had my hopes up because of the beginning of the episode and, you know, I kind of let it get away from me. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I just kind of was a little upset when I thought about it afterwards. I was like, ah, oh, man, would have been nice to get some real echo development because so far there hasn't been a whole lot. I mean, to be fair, we did get to see him, you know, pretend to be a droid in that one episode. But, <laughs> true, um, true. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that he necessarily needs like a whole episode in the spotlight, but I do like that he's there... Um, like it feels like he often is like a, um, I don't know if devil's advocate is the right word, but sort of like a dissenting voice within the group, but not in a way that's like, you know, belligerent or, um, you know, he's not like crosshair where he's going against the rest of the group, um, or being I mean, I always look at him or antagonistic, but just offering a different point of view, whether it's, you know, with Rex and, uh, them being soldiers or here mm-hmm. with the separatists. I always kind of look at him as a voice of reason. Yeah. And in some cases it's that too. Um, I mean, even in this episode, he really kind of was a voice of reason, even though it was a little like, all right, man, I get it. Relax, but we got to do this. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. Cause I mean, in this case, and I, I think maybe the reason it wasn't something they felt the need to like really explore is because we, as the audience already know, like from mm-hmm. watching Clone Wars, like we know that not everybody on the Separatists was bad and that most of the sort of bad guys were all the ones that Anakin slaughtered in Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. Um, but all these Separatist senators and stuff, it's like the clones may not like them, but we know that like they can be trustworthy, especially when it's the empire that's invading their planet. Like we know that the empire is the bad guys here. So mm-hmm. Um, as much as like maybe the clones and especially Echo need to learn that lesson at some point, like it's not something they need to beat the audience over the head with just because like, it's kind of obvious to the rest of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Um, 
But that is also something that maybe they'll continue to explore if they have other separatist characters, or maybe that's something that like Echo's just going to have to get used to over time. Mm. Um, but I think even though his knee-jerk reaction is still sort of in that Clone Wars mode of like, oh, separatists, they're the bad guys, we can't trust them. Like at the end of the day, they all know that like, unless there's some like other villainous threat, like Cad Bane or somebody that's like straight up trying to kill Omega, like anybody else that they come in contact with who has a reason to be against the Empire is ultimately somebody that, you know, is more of an ally than an enemy, even if it's someone that, you know, they might not get along with or something. So. Right. Well, speaking of, uh, do you think we should get into the mailbag on that note? Uh, yeah, let's do that. All right. Um, and the mailbag question that Mike put out, he said, the enemy of my enemy or something like that. Could the remaining separatist leadership form some kind of rebellion against the empire? What do you think? Um, and we just got one comment this week on Instagram that was from Alexandrina ATK. And she said, with people like Padme and Lena Bonteri dead, it'll be difficult, but it would be interesting to see the Separatist and Republic loyalists merge to form the Alliance. It was a cheese kind of episode for me, though, cheddar, so I can't complain, but I didn't get super excited. Um, so, yeah, and I mean, yeah, like we said, there are definitely people around in this time period who would oppose the Empire and definitely some who we know go on to uh, become members of the Rebel Alliance. But just because this is so early on, I mean, I'm sort of torn between like, like, while it would be cool to see some of those people and it would be cool to see Ahsoka and Rex and Bail Organa and some of those people starting to kind of take action against the Empire. I also don't want this to just turn into like, I don't know, a prequel to Rebels or something like that. When like we know yeah. that the the rebellion doesn't accomplish their main goal until years later and we've already seen that. So I don't want to spend too much of this show like just focusing on that. Like I don't want that to be the main goal of this show, but if that's an aspect of it and we start to get some of those seeds planted that we know are going to pay off later, I think that could be just um some nice connectivity and uh just a nice bit of world building to to kind of touch on that. Yeah. Nope. We'll see. <laughs> it's, yeah, I will tell. Yeah, I think I think you were mentioning earlier, like it's it's definitely something that's probably going to come up at some point. Um, I feel like it has to. Like they're setting yeah. so many things up in that direction. It feels like yeah, and um, and they've already teased a little bit of that. You know, we've seen Sagarera, we've seen Rex, and heard mm -hmm. him talk about fighting the Empire. So I'm sure we'll see more of that at some point. I just don't want it to like overtake everything else that's going on in the show. No, I agree. Or have, I think or have the Bad Batch just become Rebel soldiers yeah um, or something like that but um but yeah anyway um i think that's just about it for this week um thank you alexandrina for writing in you know anybody else that you want to uh comment on our stuff or follow us online uh just look us up at rebel cells on twitter instagram and facebook um up next uh the title for next week's episode is devil's deal mm. as usual we don't have any like plot description or previews or mm -hmm. anything like that for it but um hopefully that's not the episode where sid sells them out to the empire uh, is that who we're um, the devil is in this one where maybe the empire maybe, is the devil and sid yeah oh well, maybe Sid sells them or maybe they have to yeah maybe maybe making a deal with the devil maybe they have to strike a deal with the empire or with cad bane or you know again so somebody that, that they don't want to work with they have to come together against the empire with or something mm. like that so yikes who knows yikes very foreboding yeah well we will see we've only got three more days to wait for the next episode to get to watch that so all right um yeah we'll be back next week to talk about that with you guys but until then 
Uh, that's going to do it for us. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we will see you next time. Looks like Bad Batch is blasting off again! Follow Rebel Cells on Twitter and Instagram at Rebel Cells and on Facebook at Rebel Cells Podcast. You can support the podcast in three ways. First, by going to the podcast service of your choice, leaving a rating and review to help others find the show. Second, by heading to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merch. And last but not least, by heading to patreon.com thunderquack and kicking in with your monthly pledge of support to get cool rewards like exclusive podcasts and more. <laughs>